Welcome to the Chapel Hill Academy podcast, featuring messages from our weekly chapel service. Located in Chanhassen, Minnesota, Chapel Hill Academy offers biblically-based Christian education, junior kindergarten through eighth grade, and holds a passion for Christ and a commitment to provide an education for life. We invite you to learn more about us at chapel-hill.org. Okay. So today we're going to look at some more heroes of the faith. And uh, again, we're just kind of going to dive right into this. Um, But we're going to be looking at Gideon and his 300 men. You guys familiar with that story in the Old Testament, the book of Judges? You ever heard of Gideon, right? What, What do you guys remember? What do you guys remember about Gideon? Anything that you can remember about that story of Gideon and his student. I see the, like, yeah, the trumpets. Yeah, she got the, oh, okay. Charades we're doing today, okay? <laughs> Trumpet, what else? You remember? Right there. He's just a random guy. Totally. He was kind of a, like nobody from nowhere. A random dude. Absolutely. What did you remember about Gideon? <laughs> so, yeah, so you're mixing that story with, uh, with Joshua, right, when they marched around Jericho. But you're right about the trumpets. They used trumpets and they blew trumpets. So you have like that part of it right. Good job. Yeah, so like we're going to look at Gideon and his 300, all right? But to give you a little backstory, during that time like of Gideon is like really bad times for the people of Israel, they had like turned from God and they were worshiping idols. And so God sent an enemy to oppress them in the form of a group of people called the Midianites. That's really hard. Can you guys see Midianites? Midianites. Midianite. Good job. That was pretty good. And so they were like really, <laughs> listen, these people were kind of bad. They would come in and they would like absolutely destroy everything. I like all the livestock and the produce, and they would just come in, and once a year, they would just like strip the land bare of everything. And the people, the people of Israel, including Gideon, they were scared. Sometimes they would, they would like leave their homes, run up to the mountains, and hide in caves while all the Midianites were coming in and taking all their stuff. And one of the things that the Midianites had that were like weapons of mass destruction, do you know what they had? What do you think they had? Yes, it was a weapon, but not like a weapon that we think of a weapon today. Their weapons that they used were camels. I know, you're like, camel? How is that a weapon? Well, I have a picture of a camel. These are a couple of seniors, uh, high school guys from a a couple summers ago when I was uh, in Israel with them, and we got to ride camels, which is super fun. And, uh, but camels, like, just looking at a camel, like, could strike fear into the heart of the enemy, because camels are just Ugly as sin. <laughs> it just, they got some ugly mugs on them, right? And they can spit on you. Especially the teeth. Yeah. Like they literally can spit on you. Well, actually, to be honest with you, do you know what camels do? They actually bring up the contents of their stomach, mix it with saliva, and then they hock it on people. So in reality, they're puking on you. <laughs> can you imagine that? What's your special talent? You tick me off and I'll puke on you. <laughs> but that's what camels would do. But here's the thing that's really cool about camels and why they were an advantage for the Midianites is that camels can travel a really long distance. They can travel three to four days with a heavy load on their back. That's about 300 miles without food or water. Because, you know, the humps that they have, right, they store fat. 
And they used that to con- like basically consume the fat out of their hump to give them the energy and everything that they need to keep going. Kind of cool. But so like they can go a long distance and they, obviously you're up on a high position, which is an advantage if you're a foot soldier, right? And, and so the Midianites had like so many camels, they were like listed as locusts in, in, in Judges 7 and 8. So many of them. So they have these camels come in and it strikes fear in the heart of God's people and they're running, they're scared, and they're doing all sorts of stuff. And all of a sudden God's gonna raise up this just ordinary dude, Gideon. Gideon, right? And, 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 and Gideon's afraid and he's got all sorts of personal issues and struggles and he's not sure about what God's doing and at times he questions what God's doing and God has to reassure him. And God tells him, he's like, Gideon, yeah, I know you're gonna be up against quite a formidable enemy. But he's like, Gideon, I want you to, I want, I want you to know something about, about me is that I'm gonna be with you. God tells Gideon, I will be with you and you will defeat Midian as one man because God plus one is always a majority and God's presence in your life, young people, is all you truly need. Because if you know you have God in your life, who could possibly come up against you? Right? God is with Gideon. But of course, Gideon's still nervous. And the reason he's nervous is because God gives him this battle plan to come up against the Midianites. And do you remember like the weapons that Gideon and his 300 men had? had, They had three, three. And they weren't weapons as we see them again. They were very unconventional weapons. They weren't weapons that you would normally take into battle. One of them was what? A trumpet. Yeah, they had a trumpet. And then what else did they have? A torch. Had trumpet and a torch. And what else? Yes. Well, yeah, kind of. It It was a jar. It was a clay jar. And so they were told to put the torch into the clay jar and then they had the trumpet, right? And so that was kind of their battle plan to go up against the Midianites. And of course, Gideon's like, this doesn't make sense. Like, what are these unconventional, really common, ordinary tools against 135,000 Midianites, and there's 300, 300 of us, and we have a torch, a clay jar, and a trumpet. Like, God, are, are you sure? Are you sure you know what you're doing? Because this doesn't make sense to me. This doesn't compute. And so God, knowing that Gideon was afraid, he tells Gideon what to do. He goes, basically, in Judges 7-9, he gives some instructions to Gideon. He's like, Gideon, I know you're afraid. So he's like, I want you to take your servant Pura and I want you to go down to the camp of the Midianites. So essentially like in the middle of the night, Gideon and his servant, they sneak into the Midianite camp, like all like incognito, covert ops. And they sneak in just, just close enough that they can overhear like what the soldiers, the Midianite soldiers are talking about. And, and, and they overhear this conversation. Have you ever snuck into a room and like heard a conversation your mom and dad were having? <laughs> and they didn't know you were there and you overheard it. Well, that's kind of like this situation. They overhear this conversation between Midianite soldiers and, and this is what they're saying. This one guy's like, hey, I had this dream. And in this dream, like all of a sudden, a loaf of barley, a loaf of barley bread comes tumbling into the camp 
And it came and it struck the tent and knocked the tent flat and it fell over. And then his Midianite friend said to him, Well, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. So you, do you realize what Gideon's hearing? He goes into this camp and, and all of a sudden he hears this story. And, 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 and these guys are like, hey, this barley loaf. What's intimidating about a barley loaf? That'd be like a cinnamon roll rolling into camp or like a biscuit. Well, they equated the barley loaf with Gideon because when you have nothing to eat, you eat barley, which is typically what you fed to horses. Well, because the Midianites were taking all the people's food, the only thing they had left to eat was barley. And so they had this dream, this barley loaf rolls into the tent and knocks it flat. And they're like, it's Gideon. See, what God's doing is he's, he's like already fighting against the enemy before Gideon and his 300 men do anything. God is on the move. And God is moving in such a way that he's striking fear into the hearts of the enemy. And this strengthens Gideon. He's like, oh, man, this is awesome. God, I can see that you're moving. I can trust you with what you're doing. And so he literally, like Gideon, falls on his face and worships God. And then, and then at 1030, which is called the middle of the watch, they go out with their trumpet, their jar, and the torch that's put in it. And they go out, and here's what they do. What do they do? They blow the trumpet. And you know what happens? When people hear a trumpet blown, it signals an enemy attack. And so all of a sudden, the Midianites hear the trumpet blown, which signifies an enemy attack, and then they hear a smashing of jars. What would that sound like? You have 300 jars being smashed at the same time. And see, they were on this hill and the Midianites were in a valley below. It would create almost kind of like this echo effect. And it would sound like armies clashing into each other. And then they see this light shining. And the Midianites think, we're surrounded. There's armies clashing into one another. There's a battle that's happening. And all of a sudden, the Lord turns the sword of the enemy on each other. And Gideon and these 300 men just watch as this unfolds. And God takes out his enemies. God gets the victory. As it says in Exodus 14, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. God had the victory. Guys, let me ask you a question. What do we learn about Gideon and his 300 men in regards to faith? What do we learn? What do we see about faith that really these ordinary common dudes used for extraordinary means by awesome God who delights to use the least of these to do awesome, amazing things and be able to witness the victory of God? What do we learn? Well, let me, let me, let me share with you something. Here's what we learn about faith, heroes of the faith and what kind of faith they had. Turn to your neighbor and say, Batak. <laughs> Batak. All right. That is a Hebrew word that literally means trust. And it means, to, it means to fall on your face before the Lord. And that's what Gideon did. He fell on his face before the Lord. He trusted God. How many of you guys, you've ever done a trust fall? 
You ever done a trust fall where you jumped off a platform or whatever and you, you, you jumped off into someone's arms or a group of people's arms? <laughs> yeah. So my son Carter, who's in second grade, he's eight years old, probably about four years ago, when he, was, when he was about three or four years old, we're at the park. And he's on this like five foot platform. And I'm teaching Carter to trust daddy and that you can trust daddy and you can jump into my arms and I'll catch you. Well, he's scared about that. He doesn't want to do it. Even though he knows daddy loves him, he just can't quite bring himself to trust daddy and step off that platform and allow me to catch him. Well, I let Ava go first. Ava is his older sister. She's nine. And I had done this before with Ava, so she was in a place where she completely trusted me, right? And we'd have this signal that we do. I go, three, two, one, jump. So I'm like, all right, Ava, show Carter how it's done, okay? Three, two, one. And she jumps into my arms. Well, as I'm putting her down, Carter gets so excited because now he sees Ava's done it, and he's got this, this competitive spirit, like, oh, if my older sister can do this, I can totally do it. Well, while I'm putting Ava down, he's jumping. He didn't wait for the signal. And so I'm putting Ava down, and I turn, and Carter's falling. And it happened so quickly that I didn't even have a chance to catch him, and he falls right on the ground. Thankfully, it was mulch, and it was kind of squishy. But he falls five feet right on his face in the mulch, and I'm like, oh, Carter. And I pick him up. I'm like, buddy, you okay? And there's like mulch sticking out of his mouth. And I'm like, <laughs> he's got mulch mouth, right? <laughs> there's bad breath and then there's mulch mouth. Mulch mouth is bad, is worse than bad breath. And so I'm cleaning that out. And he's like, dad, you were supposed to catch me. And I'm like, you didn't wait for the signal. He's like, dad, I'm never going to trust you again. And I'm like, I'm sorry. We'll try it again another time. And I'm telling him later that night as we're kind of like working through, how many of you guys have the Jesus Storybook Bible? You guys been reading through the Jesus Storybook Bible? Super cool book. And so we're walking through that, and I'm just like teaching Carter. I'm like, Carter, listen, I know what happened today. Like, it was a total, like, failure on your father's part, <laughs> right? But I, like, Carter, I want you to let you know that your heavenly father's never going to let you down. He's not going to miss catching you if you trust him and step out in faith. You won't be disappointed in Jesus. You're going to be disappointed in your daddy because... Uh, I, I'm going to make mistakes. But Jesus never makes a mistake. He never fails you. And he will always catch you. And he always will uphold you. And that's exactly what Gideon is discovering. He steps out and trusting Jesus, and it's a little scary because what God's called him to do against this Midianite horde is scary. But when he steps out in faith and trusts God at his word, he realizes God's there. God is there. And God's going to hold him through this. And it's super cool. The next thing they have to realize, guys, about your faith is God's called you to a battle, right? Getting got called to a battle. And you're in a battle, right? There's warfare going on, spiritual forces of darkness at play. But thank goodness, God's given us weapons of warfare. And they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, right? Does anybody know, raise your hand if you know what a divinely powerful weapon God has given us. And it's almost kind of like a torch jar and trumpet. It doesn't look like a weapon, but it is. What would be a weapon that God has given us? Yeah. God's love. That's true. I think in some ways God's love is a weapon because it protects us. Because when we know God's love, it protects us from other things like being hateful and angry. What else? What, what are some weapons that God's given us? Right here. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit right. 
gives us security. The Holy Spirit comes to like reside within us and gives us security that we belong to God. What else? What is a weapon that God has given us? Right here. Absolutely. Jesus. That's the biggest one. <laughs> but what other weapons has God given us? Right here. Angels. Okay. Guardian angels. Okay. Absolutely. So someone else right here. Our lives. Yep. What else? What am I holding here? <laughs> the Bible. The Bible's a weapon. Yeah. What else? What about prayer? Prayer, prayer, is, a, prayer is a weapon too. Prayer, prayer is not a toy, but it's a weapon that we can call up to God and say, God, strengthen me for the battle, and he will. Because, guys, listen, prayer changes things. I'll, I'll share with you guys a story about how I literally realized that prayer changes things. Years ago, I was living in North Carolina. I was a youth pastor, a small little church, of, and I had like literally 12 kids in my youth ministry, my 12 little disciples. And like I took them to this camp. You guys ever been to a camp before? And I took him to this camp called Snowbird Camp in the Appalachian Mountains. Beautiful. And one of the kids in our youth ministry, he's one of those kids that, honestly, it was hard to deal with. And while we're there, like, they had all kinds of crazy cool games to do and stuff, like activities that you could be a part of. And one of the things that we could go do together was cave exploration. And so this one kid in our youth ministry, he's like, Trav, will you go with me? Because no one else wanted to go because they had, like, fear of, like, enclosed spaces and darkness. And he's like, hey, will you go with me? I'm like, totally, I'll go with you. Let's do, let's do this. And so we go to this cave, and there's like 15 of us all together, and I'm with this one student, and they give headlamps to everyone except for me and this kid, because they, they didn't have enough. And so we go in, into this cave without headlamps, and at first we're walking in, and because there's still light behind us, you can see, and it's okay, and we're walking in, but all of a sudden, the more we get into this cave, the smaller the cave gets. And I'm getting, like, to the point where I'm having to crawl in this cave, and then eventually, it gets so small that I'm literally army crawling in this cave. Can you imagine that? And what happens is the people in front of us that had the headlamps were going too fast. The people behind us that had lamps were going too slow. So me and this kid, eventually, we get to a place where we're army crawling in complete, utter darkness. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where the darkness is so dark you cannot see the hand in front of your face. That's the darkness we were in. And I remember like literally praying out loud, God, help us. I'm scared. I don't even know where to go. We, we are in complete utter darkness. Will you provide a light for us? I don't know. God, would you just come through and provide a light? And I mean, it seems like a crazy simple prayer, but like that's what I prayed. And the kid behind me was like, amen, you know? And so we're crawling a little bit further, and all of a sudden, around the bend, I could see a faint light glowing. And as I get closer and closer to it, you know what I discovered? I discovered that somebody had left behind a light stick. And you know how these things work, right? You break them, shake them, and you got light. Well, obviously, you can tell, like in the darkness, how much this light emanates. And so we're there, and I have this light, and I'm just like, all of a sudden, I just like break out in praise. I'm like, this is the light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And the kid behind me singing and stuff, and we're all singing off key, and it sounds horrible, but, you know, it's a joyful noise unto the Lord. <laughs> but all of a sudden, like, now we can see, we can see where we're going, and that's the great thing about light. Light, first of all, keeps evil at bay. 
The light of Christ keeps evil at bay, but also the light allows us to advance into the darkness. What I couldn't see and I couldn't see where we were going, all of a sudden now I could. For thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And in that situation, it literally was. Prayer changes things, doesn't it? So cool. Remember that, guys. God has given you a light to advance into the darkness. So know what God has given you. He's given you weapons of warfare, Bible, and prayer. You'll never get beyond Bible and prayer, and they're divinely powerful, right? For the destruction of fortresses. Super cool. Lastly, let me ask you a question. Something else that's super important about faith is that we have to come before God and we have to be broken before him, right? Remember how this comes to shine? What do you have to do? You have to break it. And when you break it, what happens? There's two chemicals that mix. You got hydrogen peroxide and you have another chemical I can't even pronounce. But when they mix together, energy is released in the form of light. In a spiritual way, you think about this. When you're humble before God, and you're broken before the Lord, and that mixes with God's grace, there's a spiritual reaction that occurs. The light of Christ comes shining through you. But sometimes pride can obscure that light. And that's why God calls us to be humble before the Lord. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And when you're broken before the Lord, like, God, I need you because there's some stuff in my life that seems scary and I don't know what's going on. God, would you help me? And we're, we're crying out to God and humbleness and brokenness. God comes through and he shines through us his light. And that's what the faith of a hero looks like. He trusts in God and realizes he's been called to a battle. And in humbleness and brokenness, he's always seeking God and his grace. And God comes through and gives us what we need to face the battles of this world. And he will give that to you too. Trust him. Cry out to him. Fall on your face before him. Surrender your life to the Lord. He'll take you up because he loves you with an incorruptible, everlasting, crazy kind of love, a love that was willing to come down and die for each one of you on the cross. How wide is God's love? It's that wide. God demonstrates his love towards you while you're at sinners. He died for you because he loves you deeply. Have you trusted in Jesus today? I know many of you have, but if you've never come to that place, you're like, I want to trust Jesus, you can do that. There's teachers here that love you and will talk to you about what a relationship with Christ looks like. Remember what God has done for you to allow you to be victorious and have a faith that overcomes this world because of the God of this universe who lives through you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for these young these young ones, and I pray that it's an amazing day for them here at Chapel Hill Academy. I pray, God, that they remember the story of Gideon, these heroes of the faith that are an example for us to follow. For these things have been written in Scripture that we might learn from them, that we don't have to be great and awesome because Gideon was not great and awesome, but what he came to believe in was a great and awesome God who can do all things. So give these young people an amazing picture and vision of Jesus so they may be encouraged and strengthened to follow you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.